Who doesn't want their client to love them and all the work that they do? This month, we are talking about client love. And last week, I explained the concept of the love bank, which is something that Steve and I read about in a relationship book and then promptly applied to how we treat our clients and how we build the relationships with our clients so that they love us. I ended up evolving the idea of the love bank to the trust bank when it comes to clients because love and trust, let's be honest, they go hand in hand. Today, I want to talk about what it looks like to make deposits. If you don't know what I mean by deposits, go back and listen to last week's episode. Um, I'm going to just continue on with this conversation and give you some ideas of the easiest ways to make deposits into your client's love bank so that they are just brimming with deposits. They're overflowing with all of that trust and therefore really trust you and love working with you. You're listening to the No BS Agency Podcast. We talk strategies that can take your one to two person branding agency from $5,000 to $30,000 per month without hiring employees or working your ass off. All you have to do is cut the BS. I am Pia Silva. So let's jump right in. Deposit number one, clearly communicate expectations and then meet them. Pretty simple, right? Tell people what you're going to do and then make sure you always do it. There are obvious ways that we can do this. You tell someone you're going to get them some piece of work by a certain date and then always make sure that you deliver on time. But there are other more subtle places where you can actually create an experience of an expectation being set and then met. Let's say you have a phone call with a prospect and they say, great, that sounds great. I want to hire you. And you say, okay, I'll send you over the link. Now, here's an example where you told the prospect that you're going to do something. You weren't super specific about when you were going to do it, but the implication is you're going to send it soon. So you send it at some point later in the day and it's totally fine. That's how most people operate. But the way I see it, this is an opportunity for a deposit because what you can tell them is either okay, great. As soon as we get off this phone call, I'm going to send you an email with the link. Or if you know that you can't send it right after this call, or there's a chance that you might not be able to send it right after this call, instead you can say, okay, great. I will send you an email by 5 p.m. today with the link to book. Now, do you see how either one of those are very specific? You are telling them either when you're going to send it or when you are going to send it by. Now the expectation has been clearly communicated. And when you meet that expectation, you're making a little bit more of a deposit. And what that's communicating to this prospect is, when this person says they're going to email me right after, or when this person says they're going to email me at 5 p.m., I can really count on them. I know I will get that email by 5 p.m. I know this seems like a subtle thing. And you might be thinking, well, if I tell them I'm going to email them, you know, sometime today, and then I do, what's the big deal? There's nothing wrong with that. But to me, this is an opportunity to start to create this relationship where you are leading the client, where you are showing them that you are very clear on what's going to happen next and that whatever you say is going to happen next will happen. So when you set more specific expectations and then always meet them, you are basically training the person on the other end to rely on your word. 
This is going to come in handy for you when you are working on a project with them, because down the line, when you show them creative work or you take them through your process and you're presenting some copy and you tell them, this is what this copy does, or this is why we made this decision in the design, and this is how it connects to your goals. They're going to be naturally more trusting in what you said, because up until that moment, everything you have said has come true. You have always clearly and specifically communicated with them, and you've always met that expectation. So that is the relationship that they have with your word. So every interaction you have up until that point when you're actually presenting work and working with the client is an opportunity to really show them that that's who you are. And that trust goes so far with clients. Okay, deposit number two, deliver things at 8 a.m., So I have this pet peeve with service providers. Um, I've hired a lot of service providers. I've worked with a lot of people. And there's this thing that happens where when service providers tell a client, I'm going to send that thing to you on Thursday, the service provider thinks Thursday means anytime on Thursday. So as long as they get it to you by the end of the day and really by midnight, they think that they have delivered on time. But when you are in the client's seat, and you hear Thursday, especially if you're looking forward to getting this work or you're waiting on this work. If you don't get it until the end of the workday or even worse, the end of the day, right? Like 9, 10, 11 p.m., you're already not working anymore. Maybe you've even gone to sleep. For you, it doesn't feel like you got it on Thursday. And not just that, you end up as the client possibly waiting all day for this. And it doesn't create the best experience. So if I am working with a client and I tell them I'm going to send them something on Friday, I always plan to send it at 8 a.m. on Friday, which actually means that for me, the deadline is Thursday. In fact, oftentimes I will set the email to go out on Friday at 8 a.m., but I will make sure I write that email on Thursday afternoon. So If you're thinking about this, all you have to do is add another day to the day that you want it to be due. And the reason I think this does a lot for building trust and making deposits is that it, just like the first one, it creates this experience of, you know, Pia said she's going to send it to me on Friday and then I get it. It's in my inbox when I sit down to work. Like, how nice is that? I don't have to spend one second. I don't spend one second that day wondering where this thing is or thinking to myself, "Mm, I hope I get it soon, right? Or waiting on it. Because we don't want to make our clients ever have to be thinking about working with us in any sort of like impatience or annoyance. And I'm not saying that everybody is annoyed when they don't get things first thing, but you know how it is if you're expecting a package and it says it's going to be delivered today and then you're like waiting for that package to come, right? There's a feeling of, oh, I wish it had come sooner. And so I feel like we can just get rid of all of that thinking and all of that energy that that client is spending thinking about when they're going to get this thing by just sending it to them first thing in the morning. It's such a simple thing to do. All it requires of you is to make your deadline the day before. So that's what I always recommend to my students when I teach them the uh, the lead product method and like specifically lay out exactly how I recommend scheduling it. I always say, for ease sake, this is what I do, for ease sake, I always tell my clients I will send it to them the following Friday. And then I always send it the following Friday at 8 a.m. And not only does that mean that they always get it first thing on the day that 
they're expecting it. But it also means that I am never having to remember when this thing is due because I always send it on Friday at 8 a.m. So it's like it has become so natural to me. And I know that Brand Shrinks, my lead product, I know they must be finished by Thursday afternoon, the latest. Okay, so clearly communicate and then meet expectations. Deliver things at 8 a.m., easy one. Three, in every communication, especially live phone calls, start every call setting the expectations for that call and the purpose, and then wrap it up with a summary. Anytime I get on a call with a client, I always say something to the effect of, you know, a little bit of chatting, a little bit of small talk. Okay, great. So the purpose of this call is for us to figure out X, Y, and Z right? We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to need this information, blah, blah, blah. By setting that agenda, it makes both parties really clear on what they're going to talk about. It makes the phone call much more efficient, and it allows the client to see that you are leading this charge, that they can relax and follow your lead. Again, that is going to serve us so well later down the line when we're working on a project together and we want them to follow our lead. So once you set that expectation, you have the phone call, right? Maybe you're making some notes, you're answering stuff, then wrap it up, wrap it up with a quick summary. It could be 30 seconds. Okay, great. So we talked about this. We decided on this, this, and this, um, and these are our next steps. I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. It doesn't have to take more than 20, 30 seconds, but it allows the client to hear back what happened, that you made the progress that you were expecting to make and that you are always moving forward. It's a simple format for running any conversation, a meeting, just a prospect phone call, whatever it is, and it makes it clear to them and to you what you're gonna do next. Again, this is another opportunity for you to set an expectation and then meet it. I often finish prospect or client phone calls with that summary, and I then say, I'll follow up in an email just so that we both have the bullet points in writing. Which brings me to number four, follow up in writing. It is so unnecessary for projects and relationships to go off the rails because of miscommunications due to having decided something on a live call and then maybe both parties walked away with a slightly different interpretation of what was said. How many times has that happened to you with maybe a spouse or a kid? You remember, I thought we talked about this and I said you were going to pick up lemons on the way home from work. And the person says, oh, I thought you said that we were going to make lemonade tomorrow. And you go, oh, my goodness, are we on two different planets? <laughs> Weren't we at the same conversation? But guess what? There are so many different ways to interpret conversations, and it's really easy to miscommunicate. So a great way to make sure that whatever the conclusion of a meeting is, is understood by both parties is to summarize it on that call, but then quickly follow up with a really simple bullet point even email saying, so good talking to you as discussed. This is what we decided. This is what I'm going to do. And maybe this is what you're going to do. And even this is when I'm going to do this. And here's the date I'm going to do it by. And here's what I need from you. And here's the date I need it from you. If you've ever been in a situation where you're working with a, a client and they need to send you something, Maybe it's photos, maybe it's content, maybe it's passwords, and you find yourself 
chasing them for this information. They're taking too long. You don't have the assets that you need to move forward. And now your whole project has been put on hold because you can't get approval on something or, like I said, the text that they're going to provide to you. First of all, we eliminate most of this with the no BS intensives model. So that's a side note. But even so, you know what it's like to chase people down. And a lot of times that can happen because maybe on a phone call, you said, okay, great. So please send that to me by Wednesday. And then the client got off the call and they immediately forgot that you said Wednesday because they immediately got sucked into their email. They don't even remember what they're supposed to do. And Wednesday comes and goes and you say, hey, where's that thing you were supposed to send me? And then they don't even remember that they were supposed to, or they say, oh shoot, I forgot. And now I have to get it to you. All of these things are creating waste. There's just a bunch of BS we do not need in our projects. And on the flip side, if you write down this meeting summary and action points, then it's super clear to both people. They have a chance to read it once again and say, oh, I thought you meant something different, right? So they can tell you right then and there, oh, I I didn't understand that, or not, and say, oh, great, I'm glad that was clarified because I may have forgotten that. Following up every call in writing if any decisions had been made is a really effective way to keep both parties in good communication, and it builds a ton of trust, especially if this is a habit that you have and do after every call. This is going to build so much trust with your clients because, again, they will believe that every time they interact with you, there are clear steps forward, that progress is being made, and that you are the keeper of all of these things. Clients are busy. Clients often are business owners. We know how hard it is to run a business. We cannot expect them to remember things, hold things in their heads. And even if we hope that they do, the best thing we can do so that our projects go smoothly and our clients are always super clear on what they need to do in order to participate fully is to just communicate that in our words, and in writing. Okay, so those are the first four, and you could summarize all of those around set and meet expectations. I think that is one of the most valuable things that any service provider can do to have a really loving and respectful and trusting relationship with their clients. The last two are about connection. Number five is say their name. They say that people's favorite word is their name. And hearing your name being said is like music to your ears. Saying your client's name regularly, don't go overboard. I've heard, I've been on sales calls where people say my name so many times that it's actually grating because it feels like they're doing it inauthentically. But at the same time, making sure that you say your client's name in conversation at least once or twice, definitely when you say hello, um, maybe when you are directing them on all of the goals in a very excited and motivating way can do a lot for how they feel about you. So don't forget to say your client's name. And number six is to surprise and delight them with maybe a branded gift or even just a branded postcard or even just a handwritten note. When we used to have most of our brand up clients come to our office in Greenpoint, Steve made this really fun map. Like he drew a map of our neighborhood and we put on it all these different local spots like for lunch and for coffee and like the names of them, and we put them on the map, and it was very much in the worst of all design style. It was ink drawing, and 
It was very cool. And we used to mail that. We printed it out as a five by seven, so a big postcard. And we used to mail that every time a client signed on with us. So they would get this fun postcard in the mail. It served a purpose because it literally was a map. So it was showing, hey, if you get off the subway here, here are the two blocks you're going to walk to our studio. And here are the places along the way. And you should get coffee here. And these places, this place has the best croissants. And this place, you can have lunch like during our break. It had a purpose, but it also had the purpose of just, you know, creating a, a bit of a fun and on-brand experience for us. Whether it's something like that that you design, whether it's just a handwritten note saying, welcome, we're so excited to work on your brand, or it's some sort of gift. I know people love to send those boxes or like a gift that means something to them. I got a fancy jar of honey once from a company that I hired because they were based in New Zealand and apparently honey is a really big thing in New Zealand or maybe just at the part of New Zealand where they live. Either way, there was a little story behind it. It was really useful. I like honey. I thought of them every time I put that honey into my tea until I used it up. So just a little surprise and delight experience can go a long way. I actually did a whole episode about this, where I probably shared that honey story, um, with Dan Gingis, who wrote a book about surprising and delighting clients and the kinds of gifts that work really well. We will link to that in the show notes as well. Or you can just search Dan Gingis on my podcast. I am a big fan of coming up with something you can do to give that extra surprise and delight experience, for sure. However, I only recommend doing that if you're already doing everything else that I just mentioned. Because the surprise and delight gift, I think, falls flat if you are not already meeting all the expectations you're setting up. So I don't think that a surprise and delight gift can make up for withdrawals. If you are not meeting deadlines, if you are not following up on things the way that you tell your clients you're going to, then it doesn't matter how fancy the gift is. It doesn't matter how expensive it is. It's not going to build enough goodwill because the minimum is to set and meet expectations. And this whole episode has been about ways to make that setting and meeting expectations even more palpable so that the client really has as many opportunities as possible to have that experience that you set and meet expectations, and therefore they have a ton of trust built up. We want to give them lots of opportunities to build trust with us so that by the time we get to that intensive, that intensive is flawless because by that point, they trust you implicitly. And that trust is something that is built. You cannot have trust with someone that you have not had any experiences with, which is why sometimes we want to create a bunch of different interactions where they can have that experience. When it comes to our process, we actually don't interact with our clients that much over the course of a project, right? There's the initial interaction for them to sign up. In fact, a lot of the trust is built before we've even spoken. So I guess that's the bonus seven way to build trust and make deposits is to have a lot of ways for them to get to know you before you've even interacted. When clients come to me, they have probably read my book or read my blog or at this point, listen to my podcast or interacted with my social media, have read a lot of things that I've written. All of those things build trust so that by the time we speak, they already trust me. If you don't have all of that yet, and back when I didn't have any of that, I had to build that trust from the moment they called me up, interested in potentially hiring me, up until that project and throughout. 
And so these are the things that I did to make sure that they trusted me. And in our process, because our process doesn't last that long, there's not that many opportunities for this, right? There's the phone call with the prospect. There's the brand shrink interview, which builds a ton of trust. That's why we do it. That's what the lead product process is all about. There's the delivery of that brief. And of course, what's inside that brief. There's that follow-up call. That's five. Maybe one more interaction where I receive their materials before we do this intensive. So six interactions before I do their entire brand and present it in this one to two day intensive. That's not a lot of time for me to build that rapport and that trust, which is why each of these moments is so valuable. And yet I can tell you that in those six interactions, I can build enough trust with somebody where they are ready to say yes to everything we show them and excited to launch a brand that they saw just the day before for the first time. They're excited to launch it and say yes to publishing their website on the next day by 6 p.m. That is all because of the trust bank. So in sum, think about your trust bank. Think about where you might be able to up your game so that you can build that trust and that rapport faster. Look for opportunities where you can set clear expectations and then definitely meet them. It will go a long way subconsciously in creating the kind of relationship we all want with clients, where they follow our lead, where we tell them where this project needs to go and they excitedly follow along. And of course, it goes without saying, the reason we wanna do this is because we are doing our best work for them. And we know that if they say yes to the work that we're doing, it's going to get them the best result possible. So that's deposits. Next week, I'm gonna talk about withdrawals and all the places you definitely don't want to make them and all the potential withdrawals you're making that you don't even realize are withdrawals. In fact, they may feel like deposits to you right now. That's all I've got for you today. I will talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be back next week with more no BS tips for your agency so you can find more profit, ease, and freedom. The No BS Agency podcast is produced by Yellow House Media. Coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Sean and Tara McMullen. Our theme music is Knock 'em Down by The Shrugs. 